How y'all doing, church? Doing good? Enjoying the weather? It always cracks me up. You know, there's times when people will tell you, it's just too hot to go to church, and then there's others when it's too cold, and I'm always like, it's such a narrow window of church-going weather, you know? It's too nice a day to go to church. It's too hot. Can't decide. But anyways, uh, we are doing a uh, series called Restore to Restoration, and uh, the images that we have used over the past couple weeks have been uh, ones like we've got on the screen right now, where you have an idea of what we're talking about, that uh, we're saying that we were created in the image of God. That's, that's how God created us, in His image, in His likeness, to be like God, in that we can love, we can hope, we can be generous in the way in which God is toward us, and that that is our design. And um, on the bulletin today, you've got an image of restoration, you've got that car that's there. And over the past four weeks, we've used that. And today, I decided to try and figure out what kind of car that is. I am not a car person. Uh, I don't know. I had to ask my uh, people in the 8 o'clock service, and they told me it was a 55 Chevy. And the reason they said it was a 55 is because of the tail fin. That's what they're going with. That is not a Chevy, right? As far as I know. It's a Jeep, right? Y'all can debate that later. Um, we are glad that you are here, and we're continuing on with this series. The, um, the idea uh, that we're talking about is that created in the image of God and restored, made into new creations by God. And if you're given the car on the bulletin or the finished product that's up there, uh, what would you do with it? If it was a given to you, no questions, no strings attached, what would you, what would you do with it? I would hope you would drive it, right? I mean, worst case scenario, you put a cover over it and put it on eBay, right? And uh, try and sell it for a high amount and use it for something else. But, you know, they, they, what, are they, what are they meant for? To drive, They're to be enjoyed. Um, and when we think about our own lives, many times people get that confused as well, that if Christ restores us, that if he is the one who forgives our sins, who makes us into new creations, if on the cross he purchased us, if we were bought with a price, if we've been redeemed by his blood, then certainly we aren't meant to just sit around and not be used for a greater purpose. Rather, if we have been restored, if we have been made new, we are meant to, to serve and to live for him. And in my mind, that means that Every decision that we make, every choice that we make is fully devoted to Him, right? And many times we, we don't complete the process. Uh, many times we fall short of what God desires for our lives. And you think about it for a moment, you know, what would that car, that vehicle, that Jeep that's on the screen be like if you got it and it looks great on the outside and yet inwardly it's lacking an engine, right? It'd be a big problem, wouldn't it? And yet, time and time again, you meet Christians who outwardly, you know, it looks like things are in order, you know, that, that it, they put off a good image, and yet inwardly, their hearts are, are far from God. They don't really have a desire to serve God. Um, or, or what would it be like if you took that new car, that newly restored car, and rather than driving it, you turned it into 
a flower bed in your front yard, right? You know, you put it up on blocks for your neighbors to enjoy. <laughs> Turn it into a flower bed. And the same thing happens over and over again with, with Christians. You know, God's restored them, God's healed them. And yet, rather than fulfilling their life as a Christian people, they turn their life into all kinds of things. They seek after achievements that really don't matter for God. They pursue goals and dreams that really don't do anything to do with Christ. You know, they don't, they don't do that. Or, you know, what would it be like if you got the new car and rather than ever make use of it, you just kind of study the owner's manual? I mean, that's how you spend your days, beautiful days like this, when you can roll the windows down in your Jeep and drive around. You just sit at home and you get out the owner's manual and you look through the details. Like, I thought it was 20 ounces of windshield wiper fluid. I'm going to change that eventually, right? And what would, what would that be like? And many times, Christians, you, you'd meet them, they, they have a good understanding of their faith, they're knowledgeable, they've read all the books, they've downloaded all the sermons they can, and yet when practically speaking, when it takes time to, I don't know, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the prisoners, go visit the sick, whatever the case might be, that just never quite happens, you know. And um, so I, I lift that up to you because I've seen it happen quite a bit. And um, as a Methodist, uh, many times you'll have people say, could you teach a class on Methodists? And I'm kind of look at them like, why would anybody want that? <clears throat> and uh, because you can summarize Methodism in, in one quick story. And it goes something like this. When John Wesley was a student at Oxford, he looked around at all the local churches, and he said, why is it that we've got this powerful, great news in our Bibles about what Jesus can do and the difference that he can make in the world, and yet we have churches filled with people that are bored and lackadaisical and do not care at all about what's in the book, right? And that was hundreds of years ago, right? 1700s. Doesn't happen anymore. Right? Church, are y'all with me at all? <laughs> okay, so that was Wesley. And so to fix it, this is novel. He gathered together with some of his peers, his friends, and they began to read the scriptures. And they began to ask the question of, what would our lives look like if we actually did this? What if we prayed for each other and we held each other accountable, and we asked each other questions like, how were you tempted this week? How did you resist that? How could we pray for you? What's your biggest struggle? And he began to notice that as they grew in God's grace, as they grew in God's love, they got happier. They enjoyed their lives more. And then they started orphanages and colleges and all kinds of things. They did wonderful things, all because they came down to the basic question of, what would our lives look like if we actually did what Christ called us to do. And we work together to make that happen. And in the scripture today, we have Paul calling people out, as only Paul could. And in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, there's this little passage. It's a tough one. It's, it's hard to get our hands around, but we'll do our best today. Um, in chapter 6, 2 Corinthians, it says, I'm going to start a little earlier and then we'll catch up on the screen. It says, don't be tied up as equal partners with people who don't believe. What does righteousness share with which is outside the law? What relationship does light have to darkness? What harmony does Christ have with Satan? 
What does a believer have in common with someone who doesn't believe? What agreement can there be between God's temple and idols? Because we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I live with them and I will move among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Don't touch which is unclean, then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My dear friends, since we have these promises, let's cleanse ourselves from anything that contaminates our body or spirit, so that we make our holiness complete in the fear of God. So we make our holiness complete in the fear of God. And like I said, it's a it's complicated scripture because, well, we don't quite understand everything that Paul is getting at. But basically what it comes down to is Paul is saying, you know, you're a new creation. You're a new people. You've been given new life. That means your old ways of doing things aren't going to all fit. You know, some of the places that you used to go, they're just not going to seem right anymore. Some of the people you used to hang out with, they're not going to work in your life in the way that they used to. Some of the goals and the dreams and the things that you thought were so important, they're going to fade. And you're going to have a new perspective on life because of what Christ is doing in your heart. And he's saying to them, you know, the way that you used to do things is not going to line up with how things are going to be with Christ. If he's forgiven you, if you've been freed from your sins, set free by the grace of God, then this new life is, is not going to look the same. And some of those things that you used to have in your life, that they're not going to fit. And he goes through a number of listing of things, and he says it's like light trying to hang out with darkness. It's like a holy temple trying to be with idols. It's, it's, it's over and over again, and he points it out. He says, you know, there's a, there's a clear difference. And then along with that, he, he loads it up, and he says, but, but God's amazing. It's not as if you're going to be lacking in your life. It's not like if you have to give up your old life that you're going to be missing anything. Rather, he gives us a, a number of promises and if you go through that passage that's there, which he quotes from Isaiah 52, he says what? He says, God's going to be with us. I mean, that's great news. That no matter what we face tomorrow, God's going to be right there with us. He says that God's going to move among you. We don't have a God that just idly sits there or is far off and distant, but rather a God who moves in our life, loves us, speaks to us, calls to us, invites us, forgives us, redeems us, is always active in our world. Those are the ones well, so a few. He says he'll, he'll be our God and that you're no longer orphans, that you're no longer without a God, but rather you have a God who claims you, who loves you, who cares about you, and that would call you his own. He's like a father to us. This is a God who looks out for us, that guides us and leads us and provides for us in amazing and powerful ways. And that we will be sons and daughters. I mean, those are the promises that Paul outlines. And he says, these are, these are powerful, these are mighty, and there's so much, much more that we find in our scriptures and that God says, this is what I will do. But you don't have to worry. You don't have to be so afraid of life but rather because of the promises that I have made about what will be and what you can expect, you can live a life that is way better. And then ultimately he says, you know, if those are the promises that God has made and the call that he's put on our lives, then he says, and then our response, he says, well, 
Let's cleanse ourselves from anything that contaminates our body or spirit so that we make our holiness complete in fear of God. Make our holiness complete. Now, if there is one word that I know that uh, makes church people awkward and a little nervous, it's holiness. Because they, they've probably read the scriptures and they think, well, I know what he's talking about. God's holy. You go to Genesis, I mean, to Exodus chapter 8, and God is so holy that they put around a barrier around the mountain so that people don't get too close to God. I mean, God is that holy and that mighty. And that when the earth shakes and the, the ground rumbles and the people are afraid as Moses is about to get the Ten Commandments, it's got one of the best lines in the Bible. The people turn to Moses and they say, do not let God speak directly to us. You be the go-between. Because if he speaks to us as holy as God is, then surely we're going to die. I mean, you've probably lived that scenario before with your kids, you know. Your spouse looks at you and says, you go talk to them, right? That's what happens in y'all house. My kids are perfect, all right. But that, that God is so holy that the people are afraid, they're scared of, of even approaching God. And that Moses becomes the go-between, the, the intermediary, the one that goes between them to mediate that holiness of God. But for us, as a Christian people, God is holy, God is perfect, God is perfectly loving of us. And the call that he puts upon our lives is one in which he says, Will you obey? Will you listen? Will you trust that I will the good for you? To know that, that God perfectly loves us and has the best future in mind for us. And that each thing that he has taught us and instructed us and given us in his word is meant for us to end up in the right place where God intends us to be. And so when he says, cleanse ourselves, cleanse our hearts, and say, you know, I, I don't want to be part of anything evil. I, I don't want to be part of anything that doesn't please God. Rather, I want to perfectly love God and do God's will perfectly. Holy, commit my life to him. And that is what Paul is calling his people to, and he's saying, you know, is that the case for you? Is that what you're seeking? That, that every decision that you make, you prayerfully ask the question of, how would Christ handle this? How would Christ deal with this? What would Jesus have me to do in this moment, in this, this particular point in my life? Now, um, one of the easiest illustrations I can give you about that is just imagine that you recently purchased some land and you had a desire to grow some plants or grow some flowers on this land. And you look out on the land and you notice that there are these huge rocks, right, that are not going to be suitable for you to grow anything underneath. And so you pick up the big rocks, you get a buddy to move them out with their truck or whatever supplies they have. And then when the big rocks are out of the way, you begin to notice that they're smaller ones. And you begin to pull the smaller ones out until the ground is workable, right? And in the same way, as we follow Christ and we learn to follow him completely, there's going to be some big things, some obvious things that we look at and we say, that's got to change, that's got to move, that's got to go. 
And then the rest of our journey is about finding those smaller ones and identifying them. Say, God, help me with this as well. And to have a group and to have a group of people that will hold you accountable and pray for you and work with you. That is what God desires for our lives. Anything that contaminates our body or spirit so that we make our holiness complete in the fear of God or in the love of God. So as you think about that today, there's some common things that people push back on. The first and the foremost is they usually have something in their life that they're dearly afraid God might take away. They say, if I was to follow God completely, if I was to obey Him completely, then, then what would be the cost? What is that, that thing in your life? You know, can you at least identify that today? Can you name it and say, God, I've tried over and over again to move past this or to trust you with this, and yet I, I seem to still struggle. And just to call on God and invite God to be a part of that conversation, to encourage God to place his hand upon that moment and say, you can trust me with even that. Or it may be just a matter of remembering who you are as a people, to be reminded that being part of this thing that John Wesley put in motion 100 years ago, this denomination means that we are a people that believe that that is our, our, our journey and our destination to have our holiness be complete, our whole life, all that we are fully devoted to God and his mission in the world. That there are many things that we can pursue, many things that we can chase after, but there's none more important than what Christ is calling our lives to and the holiness that he is calling us to as well. So, as you think through that, and why does it matter so much? I mean, when you think about holiness, people get distracted and they say, well, isn't he just basically saying that, you know, we just need to be unlike other people in the world? I mean, isn't he just saying, you know, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go with girls who do, right? <laughs> but that falls so short of, of the amazing thing that God's calling us to to say that our, our lives could be completely devoted to God, wholly devoted to God. And why is holiness so important? Because it makes us happy. It brings us joy to discover all that God has for us. It, it brings happiness into our lives. A holy life is a happy life. And that's what God wants for us. And he wants it for you too. So whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is that's hurting you, I just pray and ask that you would call on him this day. Invite him into your life. Help him be a part of your decision-making and what you're going to do next. And just say, you know, speak into my heart, Lord. Make me wholly yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for your promises, and that you are a God who does not leave or forsake us or abandon us or foreclose on us, no matter our condition, no matter how damaged we might imagine ourselves to be or how flawed or, or how messed up we truly are inside, 
you've never given up on us and you never will. Lord, we pray in this time that you would help us to see clearly that you are a God who loves us, loves us dearly, that you are willing to give us your only son so that we might have life and have it eternally, that you are the one who alone can restore us, that we can't do it on our own. We are desperate for you, we need you, and we depend upon you each and every moment to deliver us safely to the shores of salvation. And gracious Heavenly Father, be with us as a church. Remind us that we have a, a powerful calling upon our lives, that we're not just here to be entertained or amused, but rather we are here to worship you and to share your great news with the generations that are to come. And Father, all these things we pray and ask in Jesus' most blessed name. Amen.